Acts 13. Falls right in between Acts 12 and 14. That helps. All right, while you're getting there, let me just let me pray once again. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we recognize that uh, your word is holy, and it still speaks to us today. It's um, not only is it true, but it is living and active, and it um, is able to. Uh, bring conviction, it's able to bring hope, it's able to bring healing, it's able to change not only our lives, but change the world. So Lord, we thank you for it, and ask that you would change things today as we open your word. And Lord, help me, use me. Um, if there's anything that I say that's not of you, I pray that you'll strike it down before it gets to anybody's ears. But Lord, if you want to say anything by your spirit, please do. And uh, let it be something that changes our hearts, changes our um, our lives, our actions, the way we interact with uh, the world, whether that's our family, our friends, or co-workers, or the way we um, just behave as a church in our community. Thank you so much for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you uh, want to start with me in verse 42... I'm going to read just a couple of uh, verses here. Verse, verse 42. It says, As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept be- um, begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. And when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Now you can pause right there a second. Paul and Barnabas had preached, had given the word, and the whole city came. It says the Jews were filled with jealousy. And I want to tell you, they had the appropriate emotional response that came up. Their being filled with jealousy was completely appropriate. Let me get to that in a few minutes, though. Let me uh, first uh, kind of set this chapter up. Uh, Last week we talked about Antioch, right? Antioch was the place that um, Paul and Barnabas went. They were really, really received uh, very well at Antioch. Is it the first Christians? The, the first they were first called Christians um, at Antioch, um, and Antioch was the place that they said uh, the Holy Spirit spoke and said set apart uh, Paul and Barnabas for the work of the Lord, and so they were sent out from uh, Antioch uh, on really the first um, mission trip for for uh, Paul and Barnabas. Karis, would you? Um, since we're, talk- we're going to be talking about two different Antiochs, so I wanted to show you kind of uh, the um, progression and tell you a little bit of the chapter and what happened. The chapter is long, so I can't read the whole thing or uh, really give a lot of detail about it. But you can see the Antioch that we talked about last week, how it's close to the water. 
and um, a very important uh, city in uh, Rome. All right, so they, they set out from here and came to this island of Cyprus. And now while they were on Cyprus, um, if you read the story, what uh, they, they begin uh, uh, to go through the island sharing the word. It's, it's really brief, but um, there was a, a Jewish ma- magician. Uh, in fact, they, they call it a couple different names. Um, uh, El- Boy, I'm blanking on it now. Um, Elemis? Thank you. I couldn't pronounce that. Like seeing it. Yeah, Elemis or, or Bar-Jesus, actually, son of Joshua, um, that was going around, and he had the proconsul's ear. And so they wanted to, the proconsul there, which uh, was kind of the, the governor, if you will, of the area, um, uh, wanted to hear, and this, uh, but this Jewish uh, magician was, was trying to interfere. So Paul... Um, basically struck the guy blind. Said, you're going to be, you're not going to be able to see for a while. And the proconsul there was so impressed that he converted. So you've got this, this Roman guy who is um, over the area uh, who hears the word of the Lord and converts. Now, the reason I'm, I'm getting this, uh, we've talked before, you know, I believe that one thing that God does when we go into an area is um, you have to address the, um, the the ruling principalities and powers. And that's one thing that Paul does here is, is automatically the, the principalities and powers come to him. And they address them, he silences them, and opens the way for the gospel to go forth. Now, as they go, what's interesting, Karis, if you'll flip up the next slide there. Uh, so they, they leave from, they go through the island, they leave from Cyprus and go north there. This is just showing, um, this is where John leaves and John Mark. And go ahead and go to the next one. So they, they come from here and go up to Antioch. And now when they go through uh, Perga and different places, it, it really shows that they kind of go through quickly. Uh, it's like they are trying to get to Antioch. The interesting thing is, is they found some historical evidence. It looks like the proconsul there in Cyprus may have had um, a, a connection up to Antioch. Now, this is possibility. I'm not. This is not. This is non-biblical. Okay, so um, I'm t- I'm talking in the range of of possibility or probability rather than hey, this is what the text says. I want to make sure that's that's clear. But it looks like there may have been a relationship from the proconsul, So it, it could have opened the door in this other Antioch. Okay? Uh, so this Antioch here was not as great a city as um, the Antioch we, we saw last week. However, if there were some very important people that came, like some of the, um, Rome, the Roman officials and government officials, they, they either came from there or had, had places there, so it was still a very important area. Uh, so a, a great place for um, Paul and Barnabas to go. Now, thank you, Karis. Um, when they when they get there, Paul uh, has made it his um, his process. He, he goes to the synagogue first, and it's really he he did this before at the other Antioch. 
Um, and he does it again later. But this is really interesting because we get to hear uh, what he says. It, it gives probably, obviously, not the whole message. But the message, a, a, a good synopsis of what he gives when he goes to the synagogue and um, preaches to the Jews first. So he, go, he goes to the synagogue, and uh, as uh, this is normal for, for what happens at a synagogue, they, the, the leader or leadership of the synagogue will, will read a passage, and then they will ask and say, is, is, does someone have a, something to add? And it is very possible that they knew Paul had been trained and learned. And so he says, okay, yeah, I do. And he, he stands up and he says this, and starting in verse 16. It says, men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. By the way, you who fear God there, it looks to be like um, this is not just Jewish people. This is um, the, the Jews and then proselytes, Gentiles who, who have... Uh, come in and said, yeah, either either they're God-fearers, so they haven't completely converted to Judaism, or they are um, those who have, they are Gentiles, they're not Jews, but they have said, I would like to be Jewish. Okay, so th- there's a combination of, of people here. What, one interesting thing, talking about this combination of people, um, uh, I read one thing that said, you know, uh, the Roman way of life was very, very difficult on women. Uh, women were very subjugated, and uh, oftentimes um, uh, it was, uh, you know, they, they were just often they were one of, of several, maybe, or they were um, not treated well in the home. And so the the Judaism was very, very appealing to Roman women. So a lot of times you would have uh, uh, men who were leaders in the community and their wives would, uh, would really convert or be God-fearers with Judaism because Judaism offered them something that was, was much better than the Roman way of life, which you'll, that pops up later. So that's something that's a very possibility that there were some uh, influential uh, women, you know, they were they were married to some influential people uh, that had become part of the synagogue here. Uh, verse 17, um, The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their, their stay in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm he led them out from it. For a period of about 40 years he put up with them in the wilderness. When he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance all of which took about 450 years. So that's, that 450 years is the time um, uh, in from e- when they were in Egypt and then came out of the land and um, you know, went through uh, the, wil- the wilderness and into Canaan. After these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my my heart, who will do all my will. From the descendants of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. After John had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, 
And while John was completing his course, he kept saying, what, uh, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. But behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who, who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him, Jesus, nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning... So they fulfilled the Old Testament by condemning Jesus, by condemning him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. When they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who were now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise, that word again, promise to our children, in that he raised up Jesus. As it's also written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no longer to return to, de to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, You will not allow your holy one to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things, from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore, take heed, so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. And he quotes, Behold, you scoffers, and marvel and, and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, uh, though someone should describe it to you. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. And as I read that uh, the next Sabbath, virtually the entire town comes out. Big group. Virtually the entire town. Now, what would, would cause the town to come out from this message that Paul gives? Why would the... Like, we're not just talking the Jews in the town, but the entire town came out because Paul stood up in a church service and gave a message. There's a couple of things that, um, that I think really are, come down to the heart of this message that is the reason the crowd gathered. Number, number one is that uh, you know, he, he explained the gospel... And he showed that it was the promises to David. What he was offering the people is all the promises of the Davidic kingdom. This wasn't just, you know, Jesus came and, and died, which is, is enormous. He, he died, came and died for your sins. He rose from the dead. He, he, he's giving them something that's amazing. This guy rose from the, the, the dead. He, he was... He was killed on a cross. He died and three days later. He came and, and people have seen him all over the place. But he offered them the Davidic 
promises, the Davidic kingdom. Um, if you will, flip over to Isaiah. Hold, hold your place there at Acts 13. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 55. Where I'm, where I'm going from here is uh, in 35 it says, um, I'm sorry, in 34 it says, As for the fact that he raised him from the dead no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Okay, that's a quote from Isaiah 55. Okay, Isaiah 55 starts out as, Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the people's a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you, because the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. That uh, that passage, um, as, as you as you research it, it's really this call for the Davidic kingdom. In fact, some people say this is Jerusalem calling. This is Jerusalem calling and saying, come, come to me and receive the blessings that were, were part of this nation when David was king. Of course, you know when, when Jesus and John, um, he, it says he came to the last day of the, of the feast, and he comes and he says, is anybody thirsty? Right? He's calling and saying, I am the new Israel. Is anybody thirsty? Come. Let him come to me and drink, for out of you will flow rivers of living water. Right? Remember that passage in John? So Jesus is saying, I am that new Israel. I am that new Jerusalem. And I am offering you all the blessings of David. Everything that David had in Jerusalem, I am offering it to you. Both you know, the, in, with David, they went out and they, uh, they conquered the land. There was much provision. In Isaiah 55, it talks about the provision of the kingdom. You'll have, you'll have milk and bread. You'll have abundance. You'll, I, will, I will make a covenant with you. There will be this relationship with, with God. And he will call his place uh, the place where he dwells, he will, he will make that his dwelling place. David set up the tabernacle there for people to come in. And David's tabernacle was open to everybody. Come into the presence of God. So Paul is giving them, in, in Acts 13, uh, the, the opportunity. He says, look, the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, has come, enter in and receive all the full blessings of the Messianic kingdom, the, the, uh, the kingdom of David and his descendants. But, you know, he wasn't just offering them all these blessings. 
But the way he ends it, he says, Therefore take heed so that the things spoken of, verse 40, I'm sorry, this is 1340, going back to Acts. Therefore take heed so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers, marvel and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe that someone should describe it to you. So Paul gives the blessings, right? I'm offering you the blessings. And I'm going to have to really go into that as much because we see that a whole lot today. You turn on the TV or you go to most places, it's, hey, this is, this is the good things of, of Jesus. And those are good. They're great. But he also comes in and says, look, if you all don't listen and hear and respond, there's nothing left for you except to perish. And that's not nearly as popular today. In fact, there's a, in the last, uh, you know, especially 20 years, but even in the last 10 or 15 years, I know uh, there's even 10 to 15 years ago, there was a big push by um, some, I'm not sure if you want to call them Christians, some are Christians, some are probably are not, but to, uh, to say that, um, that there, there really is no hell, that God, uh, uh, it's universalism. God lets everybody in. Why would, why would a loving God send anybody to hell? And there was a big push in the, even in the church, and some of these church leaders wrote books and stuff to, to, for this push. You know, let's, let's just give everybody the, the love of God. And the love of God is great, and it's wonderful, and we should give everybody the love of God. But, the real question is, is why would a holy God let any of us in? Mm-hmm. Not why would a loving God keep anybody out? But why should any of us be able to walk into the presence of a holy God? And the answer is we shouldn't. That's why we have to have Jesus. But Paul gives both sides of this coin. And it's really important, and I'm speaking to myself here because I get to get up here every week and I get to give the message every week. But it's important for all of us to not just give the blessings And not just say, look, these are the great things that are going to happen to you if you become a Christian. But if you don't, this is what will happen. Not just when you close your eyes for the last time, but also in this life. I remember when um, when Ruth's dad passed away uh, a number of years ago uh, one of the pastors that that, uh, that did the service he, he said you know as a Christian living on earth is the closest thing to hell as you'll ever get as a non-Christian living on earth is the closest thing to heaven as you'll ever get because when you're a Christian we're not in the perfect presence of God here Right, and we will get to get in the perfect presence of God someday. As a non-Christian, you're in a place that God has created, and has still, you know, a lot of His presence there through, through His church, and He's created good things. 
And so if you're not a Christian, this is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. And we've got to recover that message that even on the earth, if you are not a Christian, you are not going to walk in the um, in the blessings of God. You will be, and even it even sounds, it even says that here. It says, um, uh, verse thirty-eight. Therefore, let let it be known to you, brethren, that through Him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through Him everyone who believes is freed from all things, from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. So. The, the bondages of, of sin that bind us up here on the earth that you couldn't get out of with the law of Moses. He wants us to walk in freedom today. But we've got to recover the message. Whether it's preachers like me who are up here on a weekly basis or if it's just talking to someone at work or talking to a family member or talking to a friend talking to someone at school or or just somebody on the street we have to recover the full message of the gospel are there blessings for the kingdom yes absolutely do you get to um, get out of bondage yes absolutely is god going to love you yes absolutely is, is, God, is, is God a loving Father who's going to bring you into His presence someday fully? Yes, absolutely. Are there consequences for not believing? Yes, absolutely. Will you be in bondage here on the earth? Yes, absolutely. Will you go to hell when you die? Yes, absolutely. And we have to have both sides of that message. And so I believe that these two things are, are really why the crowd came. The crowd came and wanted to hear and wanted to hear about this guy who died and rose again, who's now being called the Messiah, who's offering all of these blessings and saying, if you don't hear and you don't listen, you're in deep trouble. So the crowd came. They listened. And the Jews became jealous. And I said they had the right emotional response. Flip over to Romans. Flip over to Romans. Romans chapter 11. Verse 11. Romans 11, 11. This is Paul, okay, writing the book of Romans. I say then, they did not stumble, that is uh, Israel, the, the Jewish people of Israel. They did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But, there, but by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them what? Jealous, Jealous envious, right? You see that? Look, keep on reading. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, 
how much more will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I'm magnifying my ministry, if somehow I might move to what? Jealousy, Jealousy my fellow countrymen, and save some of them. You see that? They saw all these crowds come in, and what happened? They got jealous. And that's what Paul said they're supposed to do. Now, let me, let me, let me take the, the, this step that everybody's hoping that I, I will take eventually. Their reaction, how they responded with that jealousy, was wrong. Okay? They, they, they took the jealousy, and instead of going, we need to have this too, which is what Paul's saying in Romans, is that the Jews should look out at the Gentiles and go, they're experiencing the blessings of Abraham. I want what they've got. Instead of having that appropriate response with the jealousy, they persecuted Paul and sent them packing. All right? And that's something that we need to watch out because we can respond just like them. We need, we need to watch out that if another church in town is doing really, really well, that we don't go, man, why them? Why not us? I wish that they just leave town. I wish something would happen to them. <laughs> right? That's bad. Don't, don't act that way. All right? That's, that's the inappropriate thing to ha- happen, okay? So, but we all need to check our hearts and make sure that we're realizing that, look, we have, we have brothers and sisters in the area. You know, we, we, you know getting together with, with John's church, uh, Light on the Hill, Pastor John. Um, in fact, I, I, I emailed a, a bunch of our uh, pastors, and most of them came back and said, I'm gonna, we're going to be out of town. But I did get responses back. They said, look, we're with you, but unfortunately that... Time frame is just not working for us. So, um, but you know, that's one great thing is we, we have that um, collegiality. We you know we love each other, mm-hmm. and so if something good's happening at Light on the Hill, we're going to rejoice with them. Mm-hmm. You know, if something's good's happening with uh, at, at Omar's church or with Pastor Darren or or um, all these, you know, we're going to rejoice. Oh, praise mm-hmm. God! How can we come alongside and rejoice with you? Mm-hmm. Or if they're hurting, hey, how can we come alongside and help? You know, it's not, hey, they're hurting, maybe we can get some more members. <laughs> right? No, how can we help? So there's, you know, we, we're all brothers and sisters, and we're all one body. So let's, let's make sure we check our hearts. But the other question I'm going to ask, that's what we need to check our hearts so we're not like the Jews, but here's what I need, need to ask is, who is jealous of us? If we are supposed to be the people of God, where people look in on us and are jealous of what we have, who is jealous of us? Who is looking at us and saying, I want what they've got? And that's hard. 
that's a tough question. <laughs> so what is that going to look like? What's it going to take? Because Paul's message, right, is, is that we need to be walking and living in the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of David. We need to be walking as the kingdom of David, right? Because we, it should look totally different if you are in the blessings of the kingdom of David versus walking in the world and having bondage and having death. It should look totally different if we are filled by the Spirit of God, the, the Spirit that uh, went forth and created the entire world, created all the beauty that we have around us. When God spoke, His Spirit went forth and created, right? And we are filled by that Holy Spirit, that the Creator. That's what an amazing thought. And we should look different than those who are not filled by the Holy Spirit. Our lives should look different. And those who are not should look at us and say, I want what they've got. But are they? I'm going to tell you I don't have the perfect answer. But I believe that we all need to look inside and find it for each one of us. Because we should be living in the blessings of God and sometimes we don't. Sometimes that's out of sin. Okay? I'm going to tell you, if there's sin, like stuff that you can't get hold of, I'm not saying that none of us are perfect. All right? None, none of us. Every one of us fails. Every one of us fails miserably. That's part of being human. Okay? But we should be going forward and getting more and more like Jesus. If there is sin that, that, that you cannot get out of, let's deal with it. Let's get rid of it. If there's sin that you, you can't get confessed. Let's deal with it. Let's get rid of it. We're not supposed to be living in bondage. Will we ever be perfect? Not until we get to heaven. But that does not mean that you should not be living in that you should be living in bondage on earth. And there's a difference. We're all going to mess up. But those mess ups don't need to be a bondage that we're living in continually. Let's if there is something that we need to work through, get, let's let, you know, let's deal with it. You know, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you about something, you know, come and talk to me or talk to, to Steve or talk to Pastor Kevin. Let's get that taken care of because there's there's not there's there should not be any bondage. If we're not living in the blessings of of, of David, it, it could be that God's just taking you through a time of testing. And at the end of it, you're going to be able to come out of it and say, look here, look what God's done. We just went through a big test for us. It was hard. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure how well we passed. <laughs> but we're giving God the glory anyway. Amen. Right? The Lord came through for us in a way that we didn't expect, we didn't believe for. In fact, I, I think the Lord 
told me the other day, he said, you know, a lot of times I don't tell you what I'm going to do because it's easier to just surprise you than to overcome your doubt. <laughs> so let's, let's see, what, what are we believing for? How can we, how can we get out of bondage? How can we believe for everything that God has for us? Some of that is understanding what, that's, that what he has for us, all the blessings, all the provision, all the grace, all the love. And believing for those things. But what I would like us to be is a people that looks different than the world around us. That we act different, that we talk differently. And when people look at us, they know there's something different. They recognize that we do different, we, we, we work differently, that we engage differently, that, that we have a, a group, a family that, uh, that's different than everybody else. And I believe if we can be that people, that people look in and they're actually jealous of what we have, We'll be able to keep them away. Now there'll be those that respond inappropriately to the jealousy. They'll look and say, you know what? I'm jealous of what they got and I'm going to persecute them. Okay? There'll always be those. But there'll also be those who respond and are grateful and say, I want part of that. How do I get it? And we need to be ready for those responses as well. So let's let's uh, let's pray. Let me just ask as we pray that the Holy Spirit will show each one of us because it, it's it's individual. It's not something that I can say. Hey, this is this is what's going on. But let the Holy Spirit work, and let's have to let Him show each one of us how can we be a different people, a people that the world looks at us and is jealous. Now, how they respond to that, it's up to them. But there'll be a lot that will say, yes, I want what they want. God, others will be saying, no, I recognize it, but I don't want any part of it at all. Either way, we need to make him jealous. So, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now to come, please. Come and show us. Convict us. If there's something in our, our hearts that we need to get right with you, if there's a bondage that we, that we have that we need to get broken, please show us what that is. If there's unforgiveness that we need to get rid of, please show us what that is. Any bitterness, please show us. there's sins of commission, things that we are doing wrong, or even sins of omission, things that we just, that we should be doing that we're not. Holy Spirit, show us. Help us to get those things right. We know you don't want us to live in bondage.
And also, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show us how we should live as a people that is going to provoke the world to jealousy. Show us those promises that are for us that we need to live by. Show us the way, give us the truth. Speak those words of truth over us again. Speak the words of love over us. Let it's, it's said, it's written that they will know that we are Christians by our love. <coughs> our love for one another. Lord, show us where we can love each other better. Please, Holy Spirit. Let us be a people that provokes the world to jealousy. And in so doing, Lord, let revival come to this area. The only thing that's going to bring our area and this state and this country out of the hole that we're in is a mighty move of God. That's it. And that's what we're asking for. And Lord, however you can use us, use us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Excuse me, everybody. We got